Okay, so we are starting a new series tonight, uh, which will go along with the church series, but it's going to be, again, catered towards you guys, and it's called Living on a Prayer. Came up with that name all by myself, didn't come from anywhere else. Uh, and we're going to be talking about prayer each week and just what it means to pray and what it means to talk to God, uh, how we do it, what it looks like, why it's important, how it helps us and all of these things. Um, this week, we're going to start with how to pray. And so we're going to talk about the template, uh, which, although that's a blueprint and not a template, because funny story, if you type in the template in images, it just comes up with a bunch of templates and it doesn't help me at all. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Uh, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray uh, publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So I want to stop here before I get into the Lord's Prayer, which is kind of the main text. Um, when we read this, I think most of us read this as, oh, so when I get called on to pray, I actually don't have to pray because he says don't pray in public. That's not what this means. He's not saying that everyone who prays in public is a hypocrite at all because they're not. Um, basically, in this period of time, uh, there were public prayer times. And so they would have them, like whenever the prayer time came, whether you're on the street or in a synagogue, you stopped and prayed. And so most people would do it privately or quietly or uh, just with their family or whatever. But there would be some people, and often they were Pharisees, uh, who stood out and they weren't praying to God. They were praying to the people around them acting like it was to God. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying you don't ever have to pray in public. He's not saying that it's bad to pray in public. He's not saying that people that have amazing prayers. Um, if you go to church or you've been in church, you've heard people uh, stand up to pray, whether it's a pastor or a worship minister or whoever else, like anybody who stands up, and you hear these amazing prayers that sound like Scripture in themselves. That's not wrong either. He's not saying anything like that. He's also not saying, hey, you have to pray like that. He's just saying, talk to God. Uh, whether you're praying in public around other people or praying by yourself or praying in a room or praying for someone, talk to God. Don't talk to those people through prayer. Don't try to make yourself look smart. Don't try to make yourself look like the next Shakespeare. Uh, don't try to make yourself look just fancy, but just talk to God. Now that, again, does not mean that your prayer may not seem fancy because it's not, it's just you talking to God. Uh, and that's where I want to start. That's what prayer is. It's talking to God. It's uh, going to Him. And one of the things he says is go to a private room, blah, blah, blah. The word that they used for room also means kind of an interior place. So it's not just go to a private place. And so he's not just saying you can only pray in private. It's more like go to your heart. And you can go to your heart anywhere. You can go to your heart if you're standing in front of the congregation. You can go to your heart if I were to call on one of you right now to pray, which would be kind of weird in the middle of the sermon, but I could do it. Um, but you go to your heart and you just pray to him. Uh, I get that it's scary. I really do. Because even now, and I talk all of the time, literally, I cannot even count how many times I talk nowadays. And it's all of the time. And so uh, I still get nervous about it. But I get way more nervous for praying, uh, especially if it's like I'm just going up to pray for a confirmation dinner or something. I get nervous. And it's not that, oh, what if people judge me? What if people think this? Because I believe when I tell you guys that nobody is thinking that. But it's just like this is such a... a, a moment to talk to God, I just get nervous and I'm like, what do I do? How do I say? Can I keep going to him? Can I uh, say the right things? And I worry those things just like all of you do. Now I keep going because God answers me right away and he's like, hey, this is just talking to me. And you're helping other people. You're showing them that you can pray. You're showing them that prayer is important. You're showing them that prayer matters. Uh, one of the ways that I talk about prayer and explaining why it's important and what it is, 
uh, let's say that you all have best friends. So let's just assume that it's me. And so you have, no, I'm just joking. You have an actual best friend, somebody who goes to malls with you, uh, somebody who does other things with you, somebody who plays weird clash games with you, somebody who's just always there for you. And so when something good happens, like you go home and you find, like you randomly, the tooth fairy is like, hey, you know, you don't have any more teeth to lose, but uh, I left $100 under your pillow because, you know, just back pay. And so you're like, this is awesome. I've got $100. So immediately, immediately, you text your best friend. You're like, hey, this is awesome. I just found $100. Now flip it. Let's say that you're driving and you're going to, again, a mall. And you're, you know, you're going to a mall and you're having fun and you're doing it. And uh, like you're going to buy something. You check for your wallet or your purse or whatever, like your phone, however you keep money your Bitcoin wallet, and uh, you check for it, and you realize that it's gone. And you're like, I dropped it somewhere, and it, it, this is horrible. This sucks. This is just gone. I've lost my money, and I've had that feeling. It's horrible. Uh, even if it's not much money, like it's horrible to just feel like you've lost it, and there's nothing to gain for it. And so what do you do? Uh, you maybe talk to an authority, but you talk to your best friend. You're like, I can't believe this happened today, because we share everything with our best friends. We share everything good, everything bad. We share our hopes, we share our dreams. Uh, we're honest, we share when they mess up. It's like we talked about in the friend message a couple weeks ago. When something is going on in our lives, we trust their opinion and we want them to trust our opinion. It matters very much, so we go to them constantly. That's what praying is, because Jesus loves us more than our best friend ever could, and he will listen to us. You see, prayer is not something he needs, because as we'll find out here in a second, he already knows our heart. He already knows everything that we need, everything that we want, everything that's going on in our heads. But us talking to him is us building that connection, just like with your best friend. So whenever you met your first best friend, uh, when ben and, and ben and Rob first met, they didn't super know each other. They didn't talk a lot. But over time, they built that best friendship by texting all the time and hanging out all the time and playing Fortnite all the time and, and boxing all the time and doing all these things and just building that relationship until now they kind of can finish each other's sandwiches and things like that. And they can just talk and share and they know what's going on. That's what it means to pray. That's why it's important to pray. Because when you talk to God, you feel closer to him because you realize, wow, he's listening. I can say literally anything in the world to him. I can say anything that's going on. I can say any fear, any desire, and he already knows it, so he already loves me. And that's such a powerful thing. And so, again, when he's talking about, you know, don't be a hypocrite, blah, 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 you can pray in public. I get that it's scary. I get it. And we'll talk about that going forward a little bit. But I get that it's scary because it's new and because it's a personal thing and because maybe you feel like, well, they're a better Christian than me, uh, even though we don't judge it, even though Jesus doesn't judge it like that. Or you feel like, oh, they sound better than me or they know better than me or whatever. That's not how it works, because it's all just talking to him. And that's what we think. That's what we know. And so that's what he's saying to us. I go on to the next part. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers uh, are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So again, this is not saying if you repeat something in a prayer that you're wrong, because that doesn't mean that. Um, I have been a part, I've heard, I've been prayed over where it's like a healing prayer or a prayer for um, uh, just uh, mental health or it's a prayer for hope or it's a prayer for something. And the person repeats it over and over again, not to like show off, not to sound fancy, but just because it's so powerful and they're trying to really emphasize the point. So he's not saying, hey, if you repeat, you're gone. He's not saying, hey, while you're praying, when you're called on to pray, uh, get a little notepad out and keep track of what words you say and how you say them, and make sure you don't use the same word in two separate sentences because that's messed up. 
And listen, just for future reference, when you're writing papers for high school and college, try to use different words for like happy or joyful or whatever. Don't just keep saying, I'm happy with this, I'm happy with this, just a tip. Uh, but it's like, that's not how prayer works. Like, if you repeat things in prayer, it's fine. What he's saying here is again, don't do this to other people. Not don't pray for other people, not don't pray in front of other people, but don't pray to other people where they're your audience, where it's like, I really want to impress Cooper with my prayer. I really want to impress Tim with my prayer. I really want to impress so-and-so with my prayer. That's not how it works. How it works and what he's saying here is just pray to God. Talk to God. Again, your best friend. You can go straight to the point with them. You make fun of them. You share in-jokes with them. You laugh with them. You do all of these things. Uh, you insult them, like fun insult them. And you can just go to it. You don't build up like all of this worry and like, what if I say this and they stop liking me? What if I say this and they don't understand? You just talk until they understand. And that's what prayer means. And that's what this is. And so now he goes on to say, pray like this. And he gives us an example. Um, in churches and in sports and in other places, often this is used as a corporate prayer. And that's fine. It's a cool thing to unite us and something that we all understand. Uh, I know it from the King James Version, I'm reading it from the New Living Translation, um, but it is him saying, this is what prayer looks like. He's not saying, take this as word by word and you have to make your prayer just like change a word. So instead of in heaven, in the sky or etc., he's saying the spirit of this prayer, what I'm doing here is talking to God, showing you what the connection means, showing you what it's like to talk to him, showing you how important it is. And so we go, our father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who, uh, who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So again, most of you have probably heard this, read this in the King James Version. I get that. Um, but I wanted to kind of bring it to you in this way tonight. And I might say it later in the other way. Uh, but it starts with a community. And it starts with giving God a title and it starts with giving God respect. And so you go our father in heaven uh, because that shows that God cares about us. It shows that he's our capital F father. It shows that he's there. Um, sometimes on earth, everybody has like a biological father. Not everybody has a father father. Uh, I know that not long before I moved to Ohio, I found out that the person I thought was my dad was not my dad and hadn't known my mom until well after I was born. Uh, because I got contacted by someone who was my biological father. I was raised by my great-grandparents, so it was not something where I was like, I need to know him. And I, I made sure to message him because he reached out, and uh, I knew some things about him that were negative and why they kept me away from him. And so when he reached out, I prayed about it, and I'm like, hey, I have no ill will to you. I, I honestly have no ill will to you, but my parents were my great-grandparents. And so I said, I, 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 you know, I appreciate you reaching out, but... As of right now, like, I'm, I'm good, and, you know, I hope you have a good life. And I was as kind as I could be, and he wrote back, not as kind as he could be. But it's a difficult thing sometimes. And just to be honest and to be psychoanalyzed of myself, uh, I struggle sometimes in groups of men of authority. Like, not just men that are above me, but just men that seem to be above me. Like, let's just use Tim and Rob here, who are just the manliest men you could meet. And... <laughs> They know so much, and, and they've got uh, lives, and they've got homes, and they've got jobs, and they've got all these things. And you may be thinking, well, you have a job, and you have a life, kind of, and you have a home, sort of. 
Uh, well, I don't see it like that because when I'm around other guys, often I feel like I'm a little kid. And part of that is issues from not having a father growing up and not having that. And so it's very hard for me in groups of men. Uh, and also, like, men kind of only talk about, like, uh, plumbing and home repair and stuff, and that's super boring. That's super boring. And so it's kind of funny. Like, my dad, the person that I call my dad, the person that I call my dad is my mom's husband, and he's always been there for me, and he's a wonderful man. Um, we often, we talk more now, especially growing up, it was very much like, hey, how's IU doing? And that, that type of thing. Uh, because it's hard for me to have that connection. Now, I've gotten a little better with it. But because my great-grandma was such a part of my life, like I always feel more connected to, to uh, adult women or to, to women that I can understand and things like that. Because I was raised by a really strong woman uh, who taught me and, and raised me. And my great-grandpa was there, but he kind of sat and watched TV. And he's an awesome person. Um, but she was like the force in the house. Uh, and so it, that's something that when I see, when I really think about our Father in Heaven, I think about the fact that I don't super have one on Earth. And so I'm sure there are other people who have similar stories. And so it's like, I don't really even understand what it means for God to be my father. What it means is that he loves you so much that he's never going to leave you. You never have to question that he's your father. You never have to question that he cares. You never have to worry that he's not going to be there. You never have to worry about that. He's always there. And so that's why Jesus starts that. Uh, he's like our father in heaven. And that also gives us community. Because one of the things growing up that I wanted the most, one of the things that I felt just so much missing, because my great-grandparents were awesome, but they were older, and so it's just different. I, I wanted a family. And so this gives us a family. Our Father in heaven. Father is God, but our is everybody else. That means he's everybody's father. He connects all of us. And that's such an amazing promise, and that's right at the beginning. So Jesus is saying, hey, as I go into this prayer, you talk to God. And sometimes we worry, like, how do I pray? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to God the Father? You pray to, to God. And whether you say Jesus or the Holy Spirit or, or anything like that, you pray to God. And he knows what you're praying. There's another verse later um, where he says that the Holy Spirit kind of works as our translator. Uh, what that means is sometimes when we're praying, especially when we're praying alone at home or praying for something important, something that's uh, rough, something that we're going through, we kind of are all over the place. We kind of say, like, you know, we kind of are, are just praying and we're pouring out everything. He understands what we're saying. So it's not like you have to get your prayer exactly perfect before you talk to him. But here he's just saying, talk to God. That's how we start. Talk to God because we're all talking to God. Because we're all part of it. Because we all have him as our father. He's constantly our father. It's our community. And so that's where we start. And then it says, may your name be kept holy, because it's important to remember that not only is he our father, not only is he our family, not only did he create us, but he's also perfect. And that's not to like scare us, it's not to make us think less than, but it's to say, hey, this perfect God, who has never messed up, made you. Now let me repeat that. This perfect God who has never messed up, made you. That means no matter what you think of yourself, he didn't mess up. You are worth it. You are enough as you are. And so that's what that's saying. It's like God is holy. God will understand anything. God will be there for you. God will never stop loving you. You can never get away from God's love. You can never get away from God. And so again, this is just saying, hey, when you pray, go to God and talk to him. Say, God, I'm here. Jesus, hear me. Uh, Father, just listen to my prayer. Whatever you say. And then it says, may your kingdom come soon and may your will be done on earth. Um, when you look at that or when you hear that and when you break it down like this, it's like, well, why would he need us to pray for his will to be done? Because it's going to be done because he's God. 
it's not about him needing our permission because he doesn't. Uh, it's about him giving us this chance to work with him. Uh, I made a joke about the Bengals, and I apologize kind of, although you beat the Titans, so I'm still kind of sore about that. But uh, the, the Bengals, uh, a lot of people in here are big fans. Now, I'm a big fan of IU and other teams, so I get this. So we say we when we talk about our team. Uh, nobody here probably has ever been on the field with them to throw a pass or to catch a pass or to kick a field goal or anything like that. But it's, it's we say we because we're a part of it. And so what God is doing here is making us a part of it and saying, hey, you're praying for our will to be done. You're praying for, for my will to be done. And you're not giving me permission, but you're giving this chance to be in the ownership. You're giving, getting ownership. You're giving this chance, getting this chance to be a part of things. And it's, again, community and family and power and these amazing things. And so, again, he's saying, hey, talk to God. And you start with just talking to him. And then you go and you thank him for what he's done. You talk about what his life is. You talk about what he means to you. Uh, give us today the food we need. In other versions, it's give us today our daily bread, which you probably know more. That's literal. Now, he calls himself the living bread, and, and there are other meanings for bread throughout the Bible. He's literally saying, hey, give us what we need. Because you may not always get what you want, but you will get what you need. And I didn't do the song. You will get what you need because he cares about us like that. So he's like, pray for what you need. Pray for what you, you truly need in your life. Now, does that mean that you're never going to accidentally pray for something you want? No, because we do that. Because we do that. But that's part of his will. He understands that. Uh, when I was a kid, very young, uh, there were He-Man toys, and they were so cool. Yes. Uh, they, had, they were like the, kinda like the weird toys with the tiny little legs and like the big muscular bodies and the rubber heads. So I'm not going to make any jokes about weightlifters. But anyway, um, see what I did there. But uh, anyway, so I wanted this Hordak toy, which is the new villain. And if you don't know who that is, that's awesome. But it was the new villain. I prayed that one of my other toys would turn into him because I'm like four years old and I don't understand things. Uh, and God is not like, hey, you remember when you were four and you prayed this really weird, dumb prayer? That's, that's not what, again, what this is. But he's saying if you go to him for what you need, he's going to give it to you. If you go to him for what you want, he's going to help you either get it or understand what's better for you. So if you go to him and you're like, God, I have a big test this week. And I am so scared because I just do not understand geometry or I just do not understand English. I just do not understand PE. I just do not understand whatever the class is. I just don't get it. Uh, now, he's not going to come down and take the test for you, which I think sometimes... We do that. I know that in my life, I've definitely sat there before a test and prayed, hey, help me to do well on this when I didn't super study. Uh, and so I think we do that. But he will help us to feel that calm. And he will help us to retain the information that we can. Uh, he doesn't care if we get straight A's. He cares that we do our best. And so praying doesn't mean that you're just praying, hey, hey God, give me my daily bread. Help me with this test. And then you stop and you go away. And you're like, hey, I'll go play Fortnite until he gets back to me. Uh, it means you also do the work, too. You also try, too. So adults, like when, when they pray for, for just help with a bill or help with taxes or help with children or whatever it is, like they also still continue to work and still continue to do the things. I know that when I was in Seymour a long time ago, I worked full-time, but I got paid part-time because there just wasn't room for a full-time youth pastor. And it was my first church. It was my home church. And I lived in this really junky uh, house and it was like where one of these big houses that's like torn up into 
different apartments and like they're not supposed to be apartments and uh, one time actually I called the cable companies like you can't call the cable company nobody knows this is an apartment that type of thing also another time side note to show you what this place was like uh, my internet stopped working and I had the internet for the uh, apartment in my the wireless in there like and it was under the apartment's name but it was in my apartment and um, it stopped working and I was like well, this is weird and that's when I called the cable company and they checked and somebody had cut it from the cord and put it in their own apartment. So that's what I'm dealing with here. And so there were roaches everywhere. In fact, one time I had to send my PS3 in and they sent it back and said, yeah, there's roaches in this. That's why it doesn't work. So gross, not my fault, but gross. Yes, it was not fun. And so this was not a wonderful place for me to be. And I did not like it, but it is all that I could afford. My grandma had died uh, and it was all that I could do. And so I did it. And there were three separate times where I was like, even with this, and it was like 450 a month for everything, even, and no heat. Uh, even with this, I'm not going to make it this month. Like, what am I going to do? Because my family's not rich, and I didn't know a lot of people who had a lot of money. It wasn't back in the days when I knew Rob where he's, like, just loaded. But it's, it's like this time where I'm like, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. And so I prayed every day, like, God, help me. And I kept working. I kept doing what I can. Uh, I substituted, and I taught tennis or coached tennis and all these things that don't rake in a lot of money, but I just did my best. And then three separate times. I got letters in the mail from Indiana Wesleyan uh, and Ball State, where I went to college different times, uh, saying, hey, yeah, you'd overpaid at this point, like several years ago. And so here's $1,000. Or you'd overpaid at this point. Here's $1,300. I to tell you something. Most of the time, colleges do not send back money, especially like after years. And so this was definitely God. And it's something where I really, truly saw my needs be met. And so that's what I'm saying. When you pray for your needs, he'll help you. Uh, now, if we prayed for what we wanted, be like, God, please help me to hit the lottery, or please help me to, to win big on the next Super Bowl, like whatever. Please help me. But, but if we pray for what we need, he'll help us to get what we need. Because he wants us to, to have good lives. Not, not to super be rich, if you're rich, awesome. But just to have what we need, to be able to survive. And so he helped me, and it's such an amazing thing, answering to prayer. And then he goes on, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. There's another part about that after this prayer. Um, we... All are jerks sometimes. And I mean that by not just people in this room, but all people. Uh, and the reason for that, and I use this example with driving, and I use it for the adults. I'm going to use it for you guys because most of you drive. And if you don't, you understand. So if you're driving down the street, let's say 129, where nobody understands that the left lane is a passing lane. 129, and you're driving down 129, and there's somebody in front of you going like two miles below the speed limit. We think, this person's such an idiot because they're going so slow. And then we pull over and we go in front of them. We're going the exact speed limit. And then somebody comes speeding up behind us and is right on our butts. And we think, this person's such an idiot because they're going so fast. Now, do you understand the thing here? It's like the person going too slow in front of us, they're stupid. The person going too fast behind us, they're stupid. We never think, well, I'm just driving poorly. Or we never think this is on me. We never think, oh, I should do this. Because as people, we understand what we go through. We understand our motivations. If you wake up with a bad day, you couldn't sleep, or you had a bad test, or somebody hurt your feelings, and you wake up, uh, you just you might be a jerk to somebody and then you go and apologize later and you expect them to forgive you because you know you have reasons for that right like you had a reason for being a jerk and so you want them to understand it however if somebody does that to us sometimes we may not say it but we think well that's not an excuse like you should be nice anyway it's because we understand what other people we understand what we go through we don't really understand what other people go through and we expect everyone to understand what we go through and so that's why Jesus is saying in the middle of this prayer, hey, pray for forgiveness. Absolutely. 
but also forgive other people. Because that's what this is about. We have to show what we pray. We have to practice what we preach. And so if you pray for forgiveness all of the time, but you hold grudges against people, and you talk behind their back, and you hate them, and you have just these awful, uh, again, grudges that you're holding and remembering, and you never, ever forgive, that's not good. Because how can we ask for something that we don't even understand? How can we get something that we don't give? And so he's saying, hey, it doesn't just mean forgiveness, although that's a big part of it. But it's like, when you're praying, remember that you're not alone in this world. Remember that this is a community like he started with. Remember that we're all together. Remember that other people have lives too. One of the things that I remind people sometimes of when they have a disagreement, um, other people that believe differently than you or think differently than you or vote differently than you or like different teams than you, uh, they don't do that. They don't make those choices just to annoy you. Like They don't grow up thinking, you know what, someday, someday I'm going to meet Sarah and I'm going to have every opposite thought that she has and I'm really going to tick her off. Like Nobody thinks that. We think, hey, this is what I believe, this is what I think, and so I'm going to do it, and then we disagree with people. And so this is just a reminder, hey, everybody has their own lives too. When we leave a room, like the lights don't go off and people don't like hang on the closet and wait for us to come back. And so he's saying, hey, forgive. Be forgiven and forgive. And so we're praying not just for ourselves, but for other people. And then don't yield us to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Temptation, we know what temptation is, but it's also just a test. It's going through things. It's uh, having tough times. It's having a bad day. It's being hurt by someone. All of these things are what we're praying for here. And then just protect us. So we pray for help. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for our needs. We pray for uh, other people. We pray to God and we pray to not give in to temptation. We pray for help with our tests, with our tough times, with everything that we struggle with. And then, you know, we pray that, that we're just protected. That's prayer. Does that mean that every single prayer that you ever pray has to have all of these things? No. But it means that that is what prayer is. It's talking to God. It's sharing your life with God. It's having Him as a best friend and understanding that you're part of a family. Throughout this series, we're going to talk more about prayer. And in your small groups, you're going to have a lot more questions uh, just about prayer and what it means and what it feels like and why it's hard because it is. And every adult, there are some that just they get really used to it or they're really good at it and so they don't feel scared. But most adults even feel a little nervous when they're asked to pray publicly. It's just, it's a personal thing and it's a scary thing. Uh, I know that sometimes when I'm just asked to pray privately for somebody, I get kind of nervous. Sometimes it's like, what if I forget their name right here for some reason? Like I've known Tim and Misty for decades, but it's like, what if I'm praying with them and I'd suddenly forget their names? Like, it's like so embarrassing and I just have these stupid worries that we have. God gets that. Last part of the scripture. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That is a major statement. And you may be thinking, how can he say that? How can he say that? How can he talk about prayer and how holy he is and how uh, loving he is and then say that there's a situation where he won't forgive it? He's not saying that there's a situation. He's saying we're going to bring that on ourselves. You see, God never turns from us. Sometimes we turn from him. And so when it says if you uh, don't forgive the people that ask forgiveness from you. You're going to hold that in your heart and you're going to build a box around your heart and you're going to harden it and then you're going to stop asking for forgiveness. So it's not God saying, I'm going to stop loving you because he'll still love you. 
It's God saying, you have to understand that this is not me saying, I won't do this. This is me saying, this is what you will do. I know it because I know human nature and I know your heart. And so if you stop forgiving people, you're then going to stop asking for forgiveness and you're going to put yourself above that and you're going to stop caring. You're going to stop talking to God. Uh, Sometimes people ask me, adults and teens, ask me, do I have to go to church in order to be a Christian? And this is a short slash long answer because on the one hand, there is no requirement by law to go to church in order to be a Christian. However, the longer you stay away from a community of believers, the longer you stay away from filling yourself up with, with the word, with songs, with worship, with friends, with things like this, the more you pull away from it. And so I remember when I went to college a long time ago, before any of you were born. Oh, I think that's actually true, and I don't like that. No, but, but started out as a joke, and then it got really sad for me. But a long time ago when I went to college, uh, I... I'd gone to church my whole life, and I'd been told I was going to church my whole life. And so I went, and I couldn't really find one that I liked, the the church, the Nazarene church there. It just didn't click with me. And so I stopped going for a while. And it wasn't that I started doing anything bad. I didn't. I still lived the same life. I still prayed. I still read my Bible. I did all this stuff. I just didn't go. And so I started sleeping in on Sundays. And then, you know, one week led to another week, led to a couple months, led to a year. And, you know, I came back, and it just felt so wrong. And I'm not saying that I felt guilty. I'm saying that I just felt so separated. And I struggle with depression and things, and so it just like magnified all of that. And I felt so lost. And I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized I came home and I went to the church with my great-grandma because if I hadn't, I wouldn't be standing here today. And so I went to church and I was like, oh yeah. This isn't just about getting up or just not, not just about making time. It's about like helping me. Because we need people that believe like us. We need people that are positive. We need people that care about us. We need people that understand. We need to hear other people say, hey, you're worth it. And so this isn't saying, hey, if you guys miss youth next week, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not. This is saying part of being a Christian is being in it with other people. It's praying for them. It's praying with them. It's loving them. It's being around them sometimes. Uh, it's It's listening. It's caring. It's being cared for. It's forgiving. It's being forgiven. All of these things matter, and that's all coming out in this scripture. And so through this series, even though overall it's about prayer, it's also about our faith and about our life and about what he means to us and what he means for us and what he will do through us. It's about him helping us and loving us and guiding us. And so when you go to your groups here in a minute, just talk. Uh, you know, if you're scared to talk, that's fine. Just do what you can. But, but when it comes to prayer time later, you know, we do this thing where you just say a line. That's prayer. That's prayer because we're together and we're doing that. But when you go home or when you think about this, when you talk about this, I know that some of you are taking notes and you're going to write a paper about it and that's cool. But when you do that, just think, okay, how can I pray more? How can I be closer to him? Because that's what this is about. That's all I got.